Welcome to Tactically Acquired. Our goal is to document military-connected living history in a fun and easy environment. We will capture the stories of our active duty, guard, reservists, veterans, ROTC, and their families, sharing their stories, adventures, and journeys across the military life cycle. The podcast is for anyone interested in joining the military, has been part of the military, or wishes to learn more about military life. In addition, we want to bridge the growing military-civilian divide through education. This is unfiltered, meaning we'll go over the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly of being a military-connected individual. I'm your host, Rusty Martis, a retired Air Force Mustang and OEF veteran, and I run the Veterans Resource Station at North Kentucky University. My special guest today is a NKU alumni, an Air Force veteran, and current faculty member here at NKU. But we'll get to get to know you just in a little bit. But first, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking time to get together and talk some living history. Thank you. Would you first just start off by kind of introducing yourself? Tell us who you are and uh, what branch were you in? Great. Well, my name is Karen O'Connell, um, and I was in the United States Air Force in the Nurse Corps for almost 25 years. Fly, fight, win, right? Absolutely. Aim high. Aim high. There you so, go. Um, and so, and now I am, um, I retired about five years ago. Congratulations. Thank you. And I am faculty here in the School of Nursing. So I've taught um, undergraduate graduate at the master's and at the doctoral level. Oh, that's awesome. I've been here, so. Yep, and it is Dr. Karen O'Connell. We'll throw that yes. out there. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little <laughs> bit. But uh, just to kind of get started, why did you choose to join the Air Force? <laughs> well, I was an undergrad here at Northern because I did my, um, back in the day, it was an associate's degree program, and then you came back to get your bachelor's. Mm-hmm. So I had my associates, I came back to get my bachelor's, and of course the recruiters show up. And they bring food. <laughs> we all know about recruiters and food. So they brought food. Um, and I started talking to them. And I had already worked for about four or five years in the civilian hospital at the time and knew what I'd gotten for my four or five years. Right. And they said, well, you can join for four years and you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, they gave me the whole spiel that they give everybody. And I thought, well, why not? Take an adventure, huh? Exactly. It's yep. an adventure, uh, something I'd, I had, had not really thought about before, but um, I really thought, well, let's give it a shot. So you were a nurse in the Air Force, so you were an officer, correct? Correct. And, but you didn't go through um, like ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Corps or anything. They came and they literally recruited you right out of graduation. And so you took off and went to where? My first duty station was at March Air Force Base in Southern California, down um, Riverside area, San Bernardino. Um, And so for the Air Force, the Air Force does not make nurses. You might get an ROTC scholarship, but there's no like pathway for someone who's not already a member of the Air Force to become a nurse. Right, so did you go through any type of officer training in route to March Air Force Base then? I went to uh, military indoctrination for medical service officers. Mm -hmm. It no longer exists. As my recruiter told me, it used to be called Salute School. It was 17 days. We were at San, in San Antonio at the Medina Annex to Lackland Air Force Base, which any of your Air Force folks mm-hmm. will know. Lackland, lovely, lovely, lovely. Lackland. I love San Antonio, though, I'll love tell you. San Antonio, <laughs> absolutely. Actually, I was stationed there, and I loved it. But um, So I spent 17 days on Medina Annex, which is just like across the street from Lackland. Um, 
in some classes. They made us march around. They taught us how to put our uniform on, rank went, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who we had to salute, who had to salute us. Um, and then off we went to our first duty stations. I had a buddy that was there um, who was a dentist. We became really good friends uh, after, later. And uh, he would tell me some of the stories, you know, as as uh, he went back to his room and opened a six-pack of beer. <laughs> when I was in Minso, so Kelly Air Force Base was still in operation at the time mm-hmm. there in San Antonio. In San Antonio, On yeah. the other side of Ackland. They brought a bus over to Medina Annex and picked us all up and took us to the O Club at Kelly. <laughs> there you go. And then shuttles it back and forth all night so we could drink, basically, at the O Club. Well, Got to get indoctrinated. Yeah, they don't. I don't think they do that in OTS or... Um, no. It's now commissioned officer training that nurses go to. Oh, which is, yeah. yeah, totally different. Okay. <laughs> a little bit more of a... A little more like OTS. Okay. So more kind of like a basic training yeah. person, indoctrination or whatever. Yeah. But uh, so how... I'm just curious. So um, how did you feel showing up at March Air Force Base? Did you feel prepared uh, to walk in as an officer after just 17 days not at all, huh? <laughs> no, no. So I remember I flew, you know, I flew from here to San Antonio, and then I flew from San Antonio to March, and I remember flying through um, Colorado. I think it was um, Denver, and I'm flying in my full blues, and I'm doing the O.J. Simpson through the airport because the you know the flights are late, mm-hmm. right? and in heels, and the skirt, and the jacket, and flying through the airport, and get on the plane, and get to March. Um, And I don't remember where I flew into, honestly, but um, my sponsor picked me up. It was dark. She brought me onto the base, took me to the TLF, Mm -hmm. where I had a room, um, left me in my room, gave me her phone number, and said, hey, call me in the morning. It's late. You know, call me in the morning. We'll get together, and, you know, I'll show you around the base, blah, 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 blah. I go, okay, no problem. So I crashed. I get up in the morning. I call her. Her messages are full. Oh, no. And here I sit, (laughs) this little naive Kentucky girl who, you know, okay, I I had flown once before that. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that had only been like three months prior. Um, I had no idea what to do. I was sitting in this room. I had no idea if it was safe for me to walk around on the base by myself. I didn't know where anything was on the base, even if I did. I thought, well, I could call one of these car rental places because some of them will bring you a car. But then I thought, what if something happens? Nobody knows where I am, what I'm doing. Um, So I remember sitting in that room just crying because I was like, what what did I do? Right. Um, But... The good thing about going in the way I did was that I had experience as a nurse, mm-hmm. so I knew my job. Right. And I just had to figure out the military, <laughs> the military aspect part of it. Of it. So, so I was a medic, quote unquote medic. I really wasn't a medic. I was preventive medicine, public health, but uh, I did go through EMT training, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so everybody always tells and everybody always says, well, the hospital is totally different. The medical field is totally different compared to... Uh, like line officers, like pilots, and and so on and so forth. Um, how long did it kind of take you to get a good feel 
of um, I'm staying on the officer track right now. We'll jump back into nursing. Mm-hmm. But how did how long did it kind of take you to get to where you were very comfortable and felt like uh, you 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 could go through anything or take care of anybody? And uh, it was probably six months to a year. Okay, really. Um, you know, I was a little older mm-hmm. than you know. I wasn't a 22 year old college grad that had never had experience, right. right? So I had a little bit more maturity, I think. But I think what I attribute my success as an officer to was the enlisted that I worked with. Awesome. Because from day one, they took my hand um, and said, don't do that. You want to do that. You got to go over there and do that. Okay. And I, um, okay, you know, and they... They were very supportive. Um, I can't, I can't even name one that was not a professional that knew what they were doing, that supported me, um, and that I knew I could ask basically anything. That's awesome. And they would do it, yeah. or, you know, they, within region, right. obviously. Right. Right? But that was that's what I attribute my success to. Is I really relied. I knew they had the experience. Yeah. You can. I could watch them. Yeah. And like you said, you knew what you're doing from the job side of the house. It was just learning everything else. Yeah. I don't believe, and I may be wrong in this, I don't believe March is like a training base per se for nursing. So I know a lot of my nurses that went through out of ROTC went to like a training kind of (laughs) base first, you know, a big hospital of sorts, and then went out and kind of, so they just stuck you right into it and said, get to work. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I had experience. Yes. So I wasn't considered a new nurse. There you go. Okay. Um, And they also gave me the opportunity to say, where do I, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be stationed? Okay. And March was in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And at the time, my best friend from high school had just moved to Southern California. So I said, I've never been, you know, let's go to California. Why not? Why not? You You know know somebody there. It's it's Kentucky. Let's go to California, right? So that was that was part of it. But I really appreciated it. It was not a big facility. We had at one point, we had 25 nurses in the whole facility. Nice. So, but it was a nice facility. It was small so that you really got to know the people you worked with, mm-hmm. um, got to know and trust them, and you could learn. You knew each other's strengths and weaknesses, and you could help. It was a great beginning base then. Absolutely. Yeah. It really was. Kind of some of the other jobs that you jumped around for in your 24-year Almost, yeah, 24-plus. Yeah. I was... Eight days short of 25. Oh, wow. <laughs> 25 years. Nobody told me that until <laughs> after they sent me the paperwork. But yeah. anyway, um, so I started on the multi-service unit. Mm-hmm. And when I left there, March got put on the BRAC list while I was there. So mm-hmm. it was closing. So everyone was wanting to leave. Um, and I told my boss, I'll stay here until you, you know, you don't need me whenever I leave. Um, and they decided... The ER nurse manager wanted me to move to the ER. And I was like, why? So I had a conversation with her. I did go to the ER, and I worked in the ER. I was one of the first nurses in the ER there at March. And from there, I got orders. I wanted to fly. I wanted to be aerobac. Okay. Um, and they came to me, and they said, we're going to get you orders to fly. I was like, great. And then they came to me and said, well, we can't really do that because... You had to have what they call the regular commission, which is doesn't exist anymore. Right. So you came yeah. in under a reserve commission. Yeah. And at 
two years, you had to meet a board to get a regular commission. And basically, you had to kill somebody. It's kind of like getting promoted from second lieutenant to first lieutenant. You have to kill somebody to not get promoted. Um, But I didn't have my two years in yet. And so they said, well, we can't because you have to have that before you can go to flight school. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, So they sent me to Lackland. So I went to Wilford Hall. Big Willie. So a big, 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 big hospital. Yeah. Um, and went to the ER there, the oh, only wow. level one trauma center in the in the Air Force wow. at the time. And learned every single day that I was there. Awesome. Absolutely. It was a wonderful experience. It was a teaching hospital. Uh-huh. We had med techs. We had docs. We taught residents in the ER. We had everybody. was It was a great learning environment. Uh, from While I was there, I did get orders to go to flight school. So I got my wings and got a flight assignment out of that. That's awesome. So, um, and I tell people that's the only way they got me out of Big Willie because my nail marks are still in the walls (laughs) where they took me out. They offered me flying orders to Germany. Oh, wow. So that's the only way they got me out of that place. So I went to Germany and flew Aravac. Worked in the readiness office. Which well, what, what what year time frame was um, that? Two thousand. So it was well, it was after Desert Shield, Desert Storm, right. getting ready to hit into two thousand. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. right in that interim yep. where we weren't doing anything. Yeah, I I, don't, I was going to say fun, but you Combat and I understand what you mean. Yes, what yeah. I mean by fun. Absolutely. Um, but I did get to. We were still flying in and out of Bosnia, and oh, we yeah. were flying in and out of Saudi Arabia, yep. um, and Turkey. So, I. I loved it. It was great. And I got to work in the readiness office while I was there. So I discovered, um, I had already kind of liked that when we had to do the um, field training. Right. So I got to be, I was in charge of the readiness office, so that was fun. Um, And then I came back, I actually came back to the States to write Patterson. Okay. And worked in the ER and then ran the ER as a nurse manager. Wow. And then they asked me to run the nurse transition program, which is the program for newly graduated nurses with less than a year's experience. Okay. And I jumped on that because I wanted to help them make that transition. Absolutely. All those things that I had to learn the hard way, right. I tried to help them with. Uh, hey, like, you want to do this. Hey, you're talking about setting you up for a perfect that. job, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I like I said, I was a little more mature, so there were some things that you know, as you're first joining, that may have set other people running and screaming mm-hmm. that I just kind of went, yeah, okay, whatever. Right. Right. So I just wanted to help them. So I, I did that at Wright Patterson and then got uh, moved to Shepard Air Force Base in Wichita Falls, Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, was running that nurse transition program for the Air Force. Wow, so that's I was oversight cool. across the country or across the world because we actually opened a site at Launchstuhl in Germany while I was there. So from there, I got selected to get my PhD. Awesome. Went to uh, Uniform Services University in Bethesda, Maryland. They're on the campus now of what's now National Naval, Hmm. across from the NIH. Wonderful place, great place to study. Don't ever want to live there again, ever, ever, (laughs) ever. If I didn't know I was a country girl, that proved it to yeah. me, but I loved I loved the education. I loved being in the midst of all of that. So, so. I know now um, a lot of great things you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, from the educational standpoint, I know uh, like some of the service academies is a year long for your master's. How long is it from a service academy to get your doctorate? 
They give you 36 months. So it is three years. You get three years. Okay. Um, so you were there a while then. Yeah, yeah. I was there for 36 months. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you have 36 months, but you don't do anything but go to school. Yeah. So that was my entire job, which is a great benefit that you can't can't complain. Right. Um, they The Air Force did pay for my master's, but I did that through tuition reimbursement. So okay. I worked and went to school and got my master's, but for the Ph.D., I was debating on doing the same thing, but then I applied for the AFIT program, mm-hmm. and I was actually selected. So I was like, okay. That is really cool. That's a so, great story. Yeah. And that leads you with all your background, um, leading the transitioning service team and teaching at Wilford Hall and everything else, led you a perfect segue really when you got out to come to NKU. Exactly. Did you, was that when you did get out, and I want to go back into your service a little bit more, but when did you get out? Uh, did you cut transition right into NKU? I did. Okay. I actually started working here at NKU while I was on terminal leave. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, because I've, I've always loved to teach every job I've ever had. There's some component of education that's gone along with it. And I just thought, you know, this would be great, again, to help people learn what they need to know right. so that they can be successful. That's one of the things I think the Air Force is very, um, very strong on is education and educating people to understand and to know what they're new and not just blindly do this. Right. Um, so I really, you know, I really enjoyed that part of it, you know, and working with, and when I always worked with the medics, because when I was running the nurse transition program, the NCO that worked for me ran the medic program. Mm. So we would do visits because most of those are co-located right. at different places. And so we would go do visits together. Um, and so we interfaced with each other's students all the time. And I love talking to the medics. The medics, some of those guys, and I use the term guys, mm-hmm. it's all inclusive. Right. It's just the way I talk. Right. Um, they're brilliant. Yeah. They're, they're smarter than some of the physicians I've worked with yeah. in my career. And, but, and they're, I, I can't speak. And, and well-trained. Absolutely. And well-trained. So absolutely yeah. well-trained. Absolutely. Yes. So when you jumping back, uh, just curious. So when you joined the service initially, did you come in as a second Lieutenant then? I actually came in as a first lieutenant because, because I had experience. some experience. Gotcha. Yeah. So you were able to come in as a first lieutenant. So mm-hmm. when, what rank were you when you went and got your doctorate? I was a major okay. when I went to school. So that's, you went to school as a major. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So just trying to get gather the timeline a little bit. So after you left Bethesda, where'd you end up going in? I went back to Wright-Patterson. wright Pat. okay. <laughs> and I wound up, I went there as the nurse scientist to run the research uh, department at the medical center. Oh, that's cool too. Yeah, and it was fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, got to run the IRB, got to work with the residents doing their research and, um, they have a lot of oncology research going mm-hmm. on, or they did. I haven't caught up with them lately, but they oncology had at the time. being oncology cancer, cancer research. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I worked there, um, and then within like the last year-ish year, yeah, of my career, I transitioned to the dean of the School of Aerospace Medicine, oh, wow. because the dean who had been there had been my chief nurse previously at Wright Patterson. <laughs> Mm-hmm. She had transferred over there to be the dean, and then she decided to retire. And the way those um, 
rotations and those assignments work, it was either move somebody early or leave the position unfilled for almost a year. And so she asked me to step in and the Air Force agreed to allow me to step in as the interim dean until wow. the well, new assigned person. Again, event. set up for success because of uh, your your training with uh, flying <laughs> and uh, you know exactly. n- medical emergency nursing right. and your doctor. Yeah. Now, when you got your doctorate, um, did you have to give the Air Force so much time back? Yes. When okay. you get a doctorate, it's uh, they give you three years and you give them five. Okay. That's why I was curious. So, so five years in addition. And five, well worth it, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would not have gotten the experiences I got during my degree program. Right. Nor after, because then I got to do, you know, my research was really focused in on veterans and working that, with the military. So. Which is awesome, which mm-hmm. is really cool. So, um <clears throat> Besides Germany, now you mentioned overseas. Did you have any other overseas assignments? I was deployed twice. Okay. Where were you deployed to? So I went to um, Balad mm-hmm. in 2005, 2005, 2006, came back in early 06, and then went to um, Kuwait to Ali Al Salim in 14 and came back in early 15. And what did you do on your deployments? When I was in Balad, I was, um, first I went as the... And Balad where? Balad, Iraq. Okay, just want to make sure. (laughs) Um, I went originally as an ICU nurse. Okay. Because in the Air Force at the time, our specialty code for emergency and critical care was the same. And anybody who knows anything Mm -hmm. about an emergency room and an ICU knows they're not the The same. same. (laughs) And one of my fears the whole time I had that specialty code was that someone was going to go, oh, look, it's an ICU nurse. And not just that, a certified ICU nurse. No, no, I'm a certified ER nurse. Mm. So this was right after Hurricane Katrina. And there was a group from Biloxi which took a big hit from Hurricane Katrina that was supposed to deploy. And so they scrambled to backfill. Uh-huh. So I was a backfill. And they said, well... Close enough. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I freaked out a little bit, and I just started pulling all the critical care stuff I could and reviewing and headed to blood. Um, while I was there, the um, Army ha- that had been was deployed there was redeploying, was pulling out, and they were doing some moving around within the hospital, so they moved me to the ER. So I, I was the ICU nurse manager. So when I got there and they told me I was going to be the nurse manager, I was like, I can do that. Um, and then they moved me to the ER as the nurse manager. Wow. And so I finished out in the ER. So that was a true trauma ER. We didn't see anything but trauma. Right. There was a clinic if you sprained your ankle or, you know, Fall down, go boom. Mm-hmm. You went to the clinic, but we took the guys from the battlefield. Right. So you were basically stabilizing them, getting them aerovac or getting them off to probably lunch stool or Germany yeah, or somewhere we, else. Yeah, we stabilized, did surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have, like I said, we had um, three six-bed pods for ICU and I want to say two 12-bed like medical surgical pods while I was there. So we would stabilize them, send them to surgery. If they needed to get out of country, we put them on the Aravac 
and sent them back to Germany. Well, in that time frame too, that was some pretty active time frame. I'm sure you were pretty, pretty active and or busy, for lack of a better term. They were very busy. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, um, I guess. Yeah, there's that old adage about ER being hours of boredom followed by moments mm -hmm. of terror. Absolutely. That was that was blood. Wow. So. And what did you do in Ali? Ali Al Salim. Ali Al Salim. <laughs> I had to think through my letters. <laughs> I went there. I was the um, deputy med group commander. Oh wow! Okay. And worked as a nurse in the clinic at the same time. Awesome. Very cool. So that was a um, it was a clinic, twenty four hour clinic. We had a doc, a dentist. Well, we had more than one doc, but we had docs, we had dentist, and then we had public health and and those type of things that go along with the clinic. We did not do surgery. We did not have any um, inpatient kind of anything. It was very much a clinic. Yeah, the difference and, between being in Kuwait and being in Iraq. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, if we had anything that needed to be um, more significant treatment, mm -hmm. went to um, Arif John. We had to transport him to Arif John, and there's nothing like riding in the back of an ambulance in Kuwait. Well, why is that? Those people are crazy. <laughs> Just the, the drivers. The drivers. I'm riding in the back of the ambulance, so I'm facing the back, facing the windows. Right. So I'm watching a patient, and you couldn't get a piece of paper between that ambulance and the car behind it at some points. And I was just like, guys, guys, um, that guy's awful close. They're like, yeah, that's the way they drive. I'm like, <laughs> okay, can we put some shades on those windows then? Because I can't. I can't do any of this. It's making me a little nervous. <laughs> Well, with your great experience and background, um, and I love this question because I have the answers that come from it. So this podcast is called Tactically Acquired. So we always kind of ask the question, if you ever need to tactically acquire something, and in your position with all the different ones, especially being in combat situations and everything, is there anything you had to tactically acquire, which is basically gather because you didn't yeah, have it? Yeah, gathering. Um, well, there's always things that, you know, just appear when you need them. So specifically, um, I can't really think of anything in particular. And that's what the enlisted was for. Exactly. That was not my job. I would just say, hey, I need this. And I where show are up. these? And all of a sudden they're there. Yeah, they so I could be completely, you know, I knew nothing about exactly. it. It just showed exactly. up. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> Can't hold me accountable. <laughs> but I do know, as being an ER nurse, yeah. we had, the, as we used to say, we have the keys to the kingdom. There you go. So, <laughs> when you, you needed something, you got it. You found it. There you go. Awesome. So, all right, I want to transition a little bit because I want to talk about transitioning okay. out of the service. Yeah. Um, now, you said you had a job kind of while you were on terminal leave. You were helping. How Did that help with your transition out of service? You know, at the, at the time, I really thought I, I can't not do something. Mm -hmm. right? Because that tempo, when you're on active duty, whether you're deployed or not, there's just that tempo that you're constantly moving. Um, and I thought, oh, I've got to have a job. i got to have a job. i got to have a job. The other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm my husband has had jobs every place we've gone, but not like, oh, we're just gonna move position places and he's gonna have that same job, right? Because yeah. he's, so it was one of those. And I wasn't really sure how much money I was gonna make on my retirement, because they don't really tell, tell you that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so I was kind of, con con I was concerned. So I did, you know, jump in and, and get that. So I, it caused me stress for those last few months before I got on terminal leave because it was like, uh, it, you probably know the, the system here to be hired is like, I tell people, it's NK, not a fast process. <laughs> NKU makes the Air Force look speedy <laughs> when it comes to administration yeah. kind of things. And so that was a little stressful. Um, trying to find a place to live was a little stressful. You know, all of those kind of things that were very stressful. Um, kind of had them all set. And then I jumped in, and I thought it was it was good. And for me, I think it was good. But as, in hindsight, and as I've had other friends retire, and they've kind of taken some time, they've not really jumped right into something, or a couple that have have already changed jobs within... Mm -hmm two years yep. or so of retirement they're like eh, not what i thought it was going to be um and that's common by the way hiring our heroes did a survey and um found that about 80 percent will change jobs within two years after separating from the service so. and and having kind of lived mm -hmm. it i understand yeah because you you have expectations because especially if you've been in the service for many years mm -hmm. and you've gone from place to place and it it's the same right Right, yep. you know that you know you know the rules. You know how the game is played. Every place you go, you may not know the specific people yet, right? But it's the same. Yeah. And when you leave, it's not. Yeah. It's so different that um, I I think that um, taking some time and kind of realizing that hey, that job that you grab right, right out of the service may not be your passion right or what you wind up doing in a couple years so I think taking some time if you can to kind of feel the water out before you jump in absolutely is a good idea absolutely yeah. and uh, one of the things that we struggle with so my wife is retired Air Force as well and one of the things we struggled with when we got here was um, you know at the four or five year mark we were like all right, it's time to move. We got to move, you know? And now our house is packed full of stuff because we don't clean it out now, right? Because we've been here almost 11, 12 years now. But that, that, just that feeling is, it's time to go. We got to go. Start getting antsy. Start getting very antsy. Uh -huh. It took, it took, it, it was a good year probably yeah. before we was like, I guess we're staying down. I, I had the same thing. Yeah. And the really bad part of mine is that I did move. Did you? <laughs> I built another house there you go. and yeah. moved at about, at about, it was right about three years. Yeah. Um, and I did feel that because you feel about two years, you mm -hmm. start going. Got to start looking for a new job. Yeah, what am I going to do? <laughs> What's coming up? What's on the agenda? Right. And you don't really always get that mm -hmm. in the civilian world. And I kind of had to take myself back and go, wait, we're not going to be doing that. We're okay. It's okay. <laughs> Um, but when I looked around the house, it just wasn't, you know, it was, it wasn't what I wanted. Right. And I realized that what I had done was the same thing I'd done every three to four years of my entire Air Force career. Absolutely. This will work. Yeah. This will work. It'll work for three years and then we're moving on. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You just so. get in that mindset. It's just hard to break out of. Exactly. Was there any other um, kind of uh, transitional, we'll, we'll say struggle, but maybe struggle is a bad word, but did you have any other things that kind of just were, um, you had to work through? Um, I think my, because, you know, in the Air Force, you know, integrity first, service before self, we're all working towards the same mission. 
doesn't matter what your job is. It's all important. We've got to get it all done. We all work together as a team. Um, I missed that. Right. I missed that a great deal. Just different. It's the, very different. The higher purpose mission. And you have a great mission here. Don't get me wrong. What you right. accomplished is putting nurses on the street, which is very, very important. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just different. It's just a different type of higher calling. Exactly. When you're in the service. Exactly. Yeah. There's a it's just, it's not the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, if you could go back uh, before you left to go through your indoctrination or out to March Air Force Base, or whatever the case may be, if you go back and give that, uh, that uh, um, I was going to say lieutenant, uh, <laughs> advice, uh, what kind of advice would you give that person now? Oh, do absolutely everything. Don't turn anything down. There were very few things that I turned down. But don't turn anything down. Just, um, and, and I don't know about the other services, mm -hmm. but the Air Force knows what you need. I don't know how, but it does. I didn't want to move to the ER at my first duty station. I moved to the, I found a love of ER nursing there you go. when I got moved to the ER. Um, I did not want to, um, I, when they first asked me to take the nurse transition program, I said, wait a minute, I am in the job that I have wanted, like, for half of my career. I have wanted to be, like, in charge of the ER. Mm -hmm. I'm making a difference because I can support my people. I can support my patients. I can make sure they have everything's going perfect. And, you know, this was, it was like my, my dream job. And then they want me to go play with second lieutenants. Right. Why? So I struggled, and I called a friend of mine one of my mentors, and I said, they want me to go do this. And she's like, I don't know what your problem is. Just do it. And I was like, but. <laughs> so I did, you know, and, and the things that I've done, I never would have done if I hadn't yeah. taken them on. So take it on. And don't, the other piece is when you're not on duty, enjoy where you're at. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people just don't, they're like, oh, you know, people, oh, why not Minot? Don't go right. to Minot. Don't go to Minot. I know people who loved Minot. Mm -hmm. It's all in what you put into it. Absolutely. That's, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah don't sit in a dorm, right? No, don't <laughs> Get sit out in the dorm. Experience life. Exactly. Those yep. four walls in Germany are going to look the same as in Minot. There you so, go. don't there do you go. it. I love it. Is there uh, kind of anything um, that kind of that comes to mind? that you wish that kind of civilians, quote unquote, civilians knew more about military service? I, I wish that they understood the commitment mm -hmm. and the loyalty and that mission sense. I don't think that they truly understand. And, and some of the symbolism, you know, I, I drive around and there's one, one neighborhood and I drive through and there's a flag that is just, I mean, it's coming apart at each seam, right. and I just want to stop and take it down. I just want to go buy them a new flag and put it up. Mm -hmm. And you know, before I was in the military, I would not have even noticed that. Absolutely. But it's that's, I think that's one of the things, we hold those things so deep and so close to our hearts that you don't know it if you don't been there. Absolutely. So it's yeah. hard. But yeah, yeah, I think that's the, and, and the absolute intelligence and ingenuity of people in the military. 
if you just step back and think about all of the things in the medical field alone mm-hmm. that have come out of a military um, environment, either you know a war or some sort of a combat operation, it's amazing. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Professor Eagles, who's the producer of this particular bo- podcast, his dad was a Marine medic and invented quick clock. Yeah, and some yes. of those stories are, are really cool. That Absolutely. Went through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, speaking of stories, um, we could go on all day. I could sit here and talk to you and listen to your stories, and I'd love to delve into, maybe we'll bring you back if you're interested, kind of talk uh, a little more specific about some of the things that we mentioned. Uh, but any kind of last thoughts? Um, you know, if, if somebody out there is listening to this and is considering joining the military, go for it. Go for it. It's four to six years of your life. If you don't like it, you'll walk away. But you've got more experience than somebody standing next to you who didn't. That's one of the things I used to tell my new nurses. Yeah. Said, in, you know, in four years, when you're done, you know, because they usually have a four to six year commitment, about four years, contact some of your friends from nursing school. Find out what they're doing. And I can guarantee you that you will have done more than they did. Absolutely. That's great advice. More experience. So absolutely jump on there. If you're a veteran, thank you so much for your service. I honor your sacrifice. I honor your family's sacrifice. I had the privilege of serving with my heroes and caring for my heroes for 25 years. Um, And just stay the fight. If 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 you're struggling, if you are struggling, please, please reach out. Um, one of the, one of my future plans is I'm going to be working with veterans' mental health. Um, Twenty two suicides a day is disgusting. Absolutely, and it needs to stop. Yeah, and Reach that's out. and that's one of the main reasons that uh, we have a veteran resource station here at NKU because we know that 75 percent of all military members transitioning out will go to college. They may not stay in college the entire time unless they have that support system. Uh, but we want to make sure that we are able to support not only them, but the community as well. So I can't thank you enough, Dr. Karen O'Connell, for being here. Uh, again, NK alum, Air Force veteran and retired, Absolutely. and uh, current faculty here at NKU. Thank you so very much for your service as well and being part of Tackley Acquired. Thank you. And this is the last episode for the fall 2022 semester. Please join us again for the spring 2023 session starting on January 13th, 2023.